May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So today's Gospel is the beginning of six weeks in which we will read passages from John 6. This is year B summer, where it's bred all the way down. Jesus explores, or John explores, Jesus as the bread of life. And because today's story sets the stage for our reading, I wanted to do a, really a little bit of a Bible study with us so that we have the context for what comes next. So, of course, this is a very familiar story, right? We call it the feeding of the 5,000. And it's one of only a handful of events in Jesus' life that's covered by all four of the Gospel writers. So immediately we know that it's really important. Each of the writers has their own point of view, right, and context about how they tell the story of Jesus. But what we know about John For John, Jesus is the Son of God. So he tells all of his stories with emphasis on who Jesus is. So let's for a moment set aside our, oh, I already know this story, it's about the little boy with the five loaves and the two fish, impulse, and look at some of the key ways that John tells the story to answer the question, about who is Jesus. You might want to look at your text again. In the very beginning, we're told that he's that they're going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and that sea is also called the Sea of Tiberias. Well, that's a huge clue, right? Because Tiberias is the Roman name for that body of water. So John, as we know, is writing at the end of the first century, there are terrible tensions amongst the Jews, Jesus' followers, and the other Jews, as well as with imperial Rome. So John's locating this story for us, not only in a place, but in a political context. The next thing we hear is that Jesus went up a mountain. We're supposed to think about Moses, right? Moses went up the mountain. To get the Ten Commandments. Jesus goes up a mountain. Moses goes up a mountain. Jesus has something to do with Moses. Then we're told that Passover was near. Passover. The time when the Jews celebrate freedom from oppression. Right? Escape from slavery. Freedom from oppression. Right? Roman Imperial, it's almost Passover, freedom from oppression. It's a time for celebration. And we, who come later, and John, of course, knows that it's also the time when Jesus was crucified. And then the resurrection came. Triumph over death. Freedom from oppression. So all this is going on, and we aren't even four lines in. We haven't even gotten to the part about the bread. And John is already telling us who Jesus is. 
there's a funny little Greek thing going on here, too. When Jesus says to the disciples, make the people sit down, the Greek word actually is lie down or recline. For to be served in a relaxed posture was the position of free people. Even today, if you go to a Passover Seder, one of the four questions is, why on this night do we eat reclining rather than sitting? So this, again, is a reference. John is brilliant in putting all of this in there. Is a reference to the freedom and the salvation that's come from Jesus. Then we hear that Jesus fed them. Jesus fed them. If you look back at Matthew and Mark's accounts, different people are doing the feeding. In this, Jesus fed them. And then he instructed the disciples to gather up what was left so nothing might be lost. Jesus is the Lord for all. The Good Shepherd so that none will be lost. Not bread, not sheep, not one of us, not any person. Then they talk specifically about the five barley loaves. If you were paying attention when Brian read the first reading, there were also five barley loaves in the story from 2 Kings. Barley loaves, poor people's food. Poor people's food. But barley loaves that multiplied sufficient to feed over a hundred people by Elisha, and then in this case, over 5,000 people. So those hearing this story, of course they would say, this indeed is the prophet. They knew about Elisha. They knew about those barley loaves. It's no accident that it was barley loaves. And then, of course, Jesus knew they would try to take him by force and make him their king. And all of us who've walked the passion story know that story, right? People didn't understand what kind of king he was to be. John says, yeah, he's going to be a king, but he's not going to be the kind of king that these people think he is. So it's brilliant how dense, just in this passage, all these references are. And I did that with you today because it's important to try to process some of it and hold it as we make our way through the next few weeks. If you're just going to remember one thing, remember this. For John, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. The lines at the end of the passage where he walks on the water, he sees that the disciples are afraid, and he says, It is God. We are to hear, like those early hearers, I am. I am the God of all creation from before the beginning of time. 
It is I. John is very clear that this story of five loaves and two fish isn't really about the bread and the fish. It's about God and about who God is and who Jesus is. So what have we learned? It's in the Second Kings reading. It was also in the Psalm. It was in the letter that Paul, the end of the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, and it's very clear in John's Gospel. God feeds people in ways we cannot imagine. What seems miraculous to us is normal business for God. Manna from heaven for Moses' flock. Barley loaves that extend enough to all. Freedom to relax on green grass with confidence that we will be provided for. Baskets remaining after all have been satisfied. What today's scriptures together are telling us is that God is a God of abundance. And we, as God's beloved people, are invited to live with that, not only with that understanding, but to inhabit that abundance ourselves in the way we live. To share in God's abundant love for all he has made. God is a God of abundance. We need to hear it and to see it and to experience it over and over as it is just way too easy for us to inhabit lives of scarcity the opposite of abundance. Fearful that there is not enough. Fearful that people who are different from us might take something away from us. Afraid to share. Putting our trust in human kings and human things instead of in the one who is Lord and Savior of all. We, who live like those early first century hearers in a time of tension and fear, need this bread, this abundant bread, which is Jesus. The good news is that it is here all the time, represented in the literal bread we eat together each Sunday as our reminder that God is a God of abundance, feeding us always, even in our most frightened moments, perhaps especially in our most frightened moments. He says, do not fear. It is I, the great I am, the one walking beside you even when you are on stormy seas. Now that we have seen John's witness about who Jesus is, how do we go forth living in a posture of abundance rather than scarcity? It's not easy. I'm the first to admit it. It's not easy. But it begins, I believe, in prayer, in stillness, 
of taking yourself away from the clamor of social media, the news, the tensions and arguments all around us. Perhaps a walk or a day or a week without the devices. I'm about to go on vacation for a week. And my prayer is, Jesus, I trust you will bring me what I need in my heart, in my soul, and I trust that you are feeding everyone else too. There is enough, there is more than enough, more than enough love and grace and mercy and compassion to go around. The psalmist said, you open wide your hand and satisfy the needs of every living creature. May we know this abundance in our lives and in our community. Bread today, bread tomorrow, bread for eternity. That is the promise. May it be so.